hope you do, open them. And uh, right now you can just open them so that you're active, that you're moving. Okay, we're going to be looking at all sorts of different passages. This is kind of a review. This is our wrap-up of our Close Encounter series. And uh, you see there on the, on the top, you kind of have a review of the four major close encounters. And uh, if you got this handout, this is like everything that I have found thus far about these close encounters. So you can see how they move through. Uh, and I even have the two for Peter. And so you can see the lesson. You can review over that. Maybe you can even use that as a guide for studying for yourself. But if you see at your uh, on your notes, if you look there at the four major ones and just a simple overview, notice as you see that there's patterns as you move through these close encounters, there's definite patterns. And one of them that I just want you to see, just looking at it, is that even though we can't prove or know whether each of these individuals had these personality types, that's not the point as much as there's no doubt that the four close encounters definitely take on the feel and the approach of these four major uh, personality types. They very much reflect and appeal to those four traditional personality types. Notice also, as you move through these four, they really reflect, and we'll talk more about this in a moment, they reflect the four goals of a growing disciple. Uh, Mary's encounter is really talking about a growing relationship. And the encounter with Cleopas and his traveling companion ends with real fellowship. And Thomas needed to be with what was at that time the membership of what would become the local church in order to encounter the Christ. He needed outstanding membership. And then, of course, Peter, the whole thing was, hey, go, go and partner with me, the risen Lord. And so you really see these four aspects. Or if you want to look at it from the aspect of our church, know Christ, Mary, grow in Christ, Cleopas, the Emmaus disciples, show Christ in Thomas, and go with Christ with Peter. Also, as you look through these, especially on how Jesus... Notice, it's not so much how Jesus appears, but it's how Jesus is perceived. He is perceived initially by each one from their own, uh, from their own perspective, consistent with who they are. And we'll draw out more of that. And then finally, each time the person has to adjust their own life to what the living Lord is calling them to do. So none of these individuals left their close encounter the same way they entered into it. And I'm praying and I have prayed that you have not, you will not leave this series the same way and that you have made some adjustments to the living Lord, which that's really kind of what the whole Christian life is, is a series of daily learning more about Him, more about our sin, more about His holiness, and therefore more about our need for His grace and adjusting our lives to Him. So here's what I want to do. Seven lessons learned. Seven lessons learned as we look back on these close encounters. Let's take a look at it. 
Uh, seven lessons learned from close encounters with the living Lord. Here's the first one. Christ is always, always closer than we feel, than we think, than we believe, or than we know. Okay? He's always closer than we feel, than we think, than we believe, and then we know. I mean, that stands out. Christ is always, always, doesn't matter where you are this morning, He's always closer. Think about it. Let's go through these and think about it. Mary felt, Mary was lamenting, Mary was wailing at this tomb. She returned to the tomb in order to do this. Mary felt Jesus was dead and gone, and her heart was so broken, but He was alive and present with her all the time. He was alive. She didn't have to worry about his dead body. Second of all, think about Cleopas and his traveling companion. They thought they had this thing all figured out, or actually they couldn't figure it out by their own reasoning. And that frustrated them. In fact, it depressed them. It discouraged them. They thought Jesus had been defeated. But Jesus was alive and walking right beside them. They thought they knew everything was down, negative. But in reality, Jesus was walking right beside them. Think about Thomas. Thomas is a great example of the stubborn skeptic. He believed he couldn't believe. He was convinced he couldn't believe. He was just stubborn in his unbelief. But Jesus was alive and met him face to face, toe to toe, demand by demand. So if, if you're someone that's, that's really kind of settled in your unbelief, and it may not be about Jesus, it may be about what Jesus wants you to do. Or you know someone, you've been praying for someone who's very skeptical and very stubborn in their unbelief. Realize that Jesus can meet them right at their point of stubbornness. And the reality is Jesus had been in the room all along because he literally quotes what Thomas says. So Jesus is present. So you go, I'm praying for this. And maybe it's, maybe it's your young person. Maybe you're sending a young person to camp that's, that you feel is headed, you know, is walking in the wrong direction. Like Cleopas and his, like his Cleopas and his companion. They're walking away in the wrong direction. Or maybe you have a young person who settled in their unbelief, and yet Jesus is in the room. They can be away from God, but they but God is not far from them. That's that's comforting, isn't it? And then think about Peter. Peter knew that Jesus was alive, but he did things his own way anyway. Okay, I think we all can relate to that, right? His life was so self-centered, but Jesus was alive and lovingly restored him to follow him and serve others sacrificially. So here's the thing. Like Mary, are you brokenhearted this morning? Are you brokenhearted? Does Jesus seem not to care about what you're going through, what you're facing, or what loved ones are facing? Well, realize this. Jesus is closer than you feel. He is your living hope in the most discouraging of moments 
Maybe you're like Cleopas and you're depressed. You're struggling with depression. You're struggling with disappointment. Things haven't turned out like you want them to be. Realize He's closer than you think. He's your living truth. He is the truth you need to trust even when it seems it just isn't working out. Maybe you're like Thomas. You're struggling to believe what others have said about God and Jesus. Here's the thing. We go through difficult times. And if you're part of a church like ours, you're going you're gonna to reach out. Somebody's going to reach out to you. You're going to reach out to them. And they're going to bring those scriptures to bear. And they're going to say, you know what? Jesus can do this in your situation. And you're like, I just can't believe that. I can't believe that. If that's you, realize that Jesus is closer than what you can believe right now. And He is the living faith you need. But maybe like Peter, you're doing your own thing and you're coming up empty-handed. You're living life your way, but something's missing. And maybe through this series you've come to realize, you know what, if I keep on this path, I'm going to end up in eternity and I'm going to be hugging that balance beam that Francis Chan talked about and I'm going to come up before the judge And I'm going to be empty-handed. Well, Jesus is closer than you know. He's the living love that can restore you this morning. So, He's always closer than we feel, think, believe, or know. Lesson number two. Because He's always closer, number two, Christ will always meet us where we are. Christ will always meet us where we are. And again, I just love looking at the contrast. Jesus meets Mary where? Where did Jesus meet Mary? At an empty tomb. Okay? In a cemetery. Right? Even though, even though, now, when you, if, if you rose from the dead, would you hang out in a cemetery? Okay, I mean, like, you know, let's say you bust open your coffin, you, you, you know, you're out. Are you going to, ha- I mean, you, you just got resurrected, Jim. You're going to hang out in a cemetery? No, no, you're going to, I don't know what you're going to, don't tell them, I don't even want to know what you might do. But I know this, we wouldn't hang out at the cemetery. But Jesus did, because that's where Mary was. Jesus met Cleopas on the road, even though his plan was going to unfold back in Jerusalem. Even though they should have been in Jerusalem, they were headed in the wrong direction. Jesus met them on the road. Jesus met Thomas behind locked doors and even gave him a second chance. Now, I'm sorry. If it was me, I'd just be like, hey, I, I was there last week. I was there where my people were last week. Sunday, you know? Resurrection Day, like I promised, like I told you ahead of time. And you weren't there. Sorry, you missed out. No, Jesus came and met him a second time in a locked room. That's just amazing. And then meeting Peter on the shore. He's out there doing his own thing. Hey, you haven't caught anything yet, have you? That's just amazing to me that wherever you are, Jesus will meet you. So let me ask you this morning, and, and I don't ask this, I ask it rhetorically, so don't tell me. Well, maybe we should. Where are you this morning? Okay. I mean, like, physically, where are you? Do you, do you know? 
Okay, that's just that's where we want to start. No. Where are you this morning? Where are you in relation to Christ? Are you where you ought to be? Now, you know, some of our personalities, well, of course not. I'm, you know, I, that's, fr- I'm never, per- no, we're not. Are you where, you know, are you in a learning posture? You know, are you making, pro- are you sinning less even though you're not sinless? Are you where you ought to be? Are you where God wants you to be this morning? Where are you? Are you doing what God and Jesus has gifted and called you to be and do? Where are you? Well, here's the good news. Jesus is right there where you are, and He will meet you right where you are. And notice, He doesn't make any demands on them. He doesn't say, Mary, you got to do this. You know, He takes the initiative. In His grace, He goes to the tomb. To meet Mary. In his initiative, he walks the road away from Jerusalem. In his initiative, he comes into the locked room in John 20 a second time. In his initiative, he goes to those guys early in the morning, already prepares the fire, already prepares the fish. But let me shift this a little bit. Because if you're not careful with this series, you can focus so much on ourselves and how Jesus wants to meet us. Let me ask you this. Where are the people Christ wants us to reach with the gospel this morning? Where are the people Christ wants us to reach with the gospel this morning? And I'll tell you, you know where they are? They're in dead tombs. With dead-end hope. They're walking away from God and what God has for them. They're headed in the wrong direction. They're locked into rooms emotionally, socially, relationally. They're in locked prisons of fear and doubt and stubborn unbelief. And they are recreating this morning. Right? Road's pretty clear today coming to church. Yeah, they're clear every Sunday. Because that's where the people who need the gospel, they're out in these situations, and we know the Christ who's willing to meet them where they are. Okay, so we need to go and hang out in some cemeteries. We need to hang out with people who are locked in unbelief. We need to be where these people are, because that's where Jesus is. Not parting with them, but calling them to repentance, amen, and to a new life. That's a beautiful thing. Yes, it is, Chris. Thank you for reminding us of that this morning. Second, thirdly, is there any greater comfort that Christ will meet us where we are, but here's an even greater comfort. Number three, He will never leave us where He found us. He will never leave us where He found us. Listen to me this morning. If you have confessed Christ, if you've confessed a relationship with Christ, and you're still at the place that you were when you professed Him, there's something wrong. Okay? So, if you're still struggling with the same sins and have not made progress, something's wrong. 
you need to really ask the Lord, have I met you? Have I really had a close encounter with you? Because you cannot encounter resurrection power and a living Lord and remain the same person. Do you have a greater love for this book than when you first got saved? Do you have a greater love? Do you spend more time in prayer? Do you give of your life, your time, your finances? What, what, how have you been transformed? Christ will never leave us where He found us. Now, this is so important. Each of these people had differing personalities, but they were convicted in encountering the living Lord. Jesus adjusted himself to the way he created them. That is one of the most beautiful acts of love. Hey, I know how I created you. I know your uniqueness. And guess what? I'll adjust myself in order to reveal myself to you. But understand this. He doesn't cease to be Lord. He doesn't cease to be Lord. So think about this. None of these personalities became the center of the universe. Jesus did not change his character to cater to their personality. He changed their personalities to conform to his character. Now that is radically goes against contemporary theology, contemporary, a lot of contemporary music, a lot of contemporary reading among Christians. So if you derive your your understanding of God from popular media, Christian media, and not from the Word of God. You're, you, this, this is counter. That Jesus doesn't change His character to cater to us. Instead, He changes our personalities to conform more to His character. So think about the, the difference in these people's lives. First of all, Mary... What does she do immediately after encountering Jesus at the tomb? What what is her response? What, Gwen? Well, yes, she did. And then she was rebuked for that, right? And then having made that adjustment, what's the very next thing she did? She what? She ran to the disciples. She, She left. You know, so yeah, she she hugged Jesus. She wanted to kind of hang on to him, things to be the way they used to be. And he said, no, no, this is not, it's different. I know you by name. You can have a close relationship, but there is a job to do. And she ran from the tomb to share the good news. Why? Because we can have a growing, growing relationship with God the Father through the Son. It's amazing what Jesus said. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go, go, go to my brethren and say, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. The veil had been rent. Jesus is risen. The Spirit was descending. Hey, we can have a relationship. Go and tell people that. Wow. Number two, Cleopas and his companion. What happened to them after they meet and and realize who they're meeting with? What did they do? How were they changed? Luke 24, what did they do? So they were sitting, they were eating. Jesus breaks the bread, 
They see him. They recognize him. He disappears. What did they do? They ran back. They reversed their direction. They were headed that way, and they reversed their direction. They headed back. Listen to Luke 24, 35. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. They were transformed. Hey, we had fellowship with him. We want to have fellowship with you and tell you about that. Thomas, what, did, what was Thomas's response? Here's Jesus, enters the room a second time. Here's the nail holes in my wrists. Here's the holes in my feet. Here's the side, challenges him with his very words. What is Thomas' response? My Lord and my God. He, he no longer refused to believe. He no longer refused to unite with God's people. He's like, I'm all in. Because listen... That's what outstanding membership in the church is. You recognize that Jesus is Lord, therefore Sunday's the Lord's day. You're here worshiping with God's people. You're here coming an hour early to study deeper into the Word of God. You're here giving your resources so that Bibles can be translated, missionaries can be sent. You're here so uh, we can rent vans and go to camp. You're investing in God's people and in, 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 in getting more people to become followers of Jesus. This is the essence, my Lord and my God. And then think about Peter. What did Peter do? What did Peter do? How, how was Peter changed? Kind of a trick question because in John 21, we're not told, right? Where do we have to go to find out how Peter was changed? Yeah, Acts what chapter? Acts 2. And you go to Acts 2, and here's this guy that liked fishing for fish more than winning people to Christ. This guy who was so fearful denied Christ three times for fear of the Jews. We go to Acts 2, 14, and here's what we find. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea, all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. This guy who was afraid of a girl around a charcoal fire is now standing in the midst of Jerusalem proclaiming that message that had Jesus crucified just 40, 50 days earlier. I'd say he's been changed. Right? He's been changed. So... Have you had a close encounter of the real kind with the risen Lord? He'll meet you where you are, but he's not going to leave you there. He's going to lead you to be established in these four areas. So let me ask you, are you established in a growing relationship with, with the Lord? Does he know you by name? And when he speaks as the good shepherd, are you a sheep that hears his voice and follows him? All he had to say to Mary was, Mary, and she heard. It wasn't seeing him. She didn't recognize him by sight. It was the hearing of the word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. If you're not in this book, sheep are in this book. Sheep are in this book because sheep 
want to hear His voice. And they do hear His voice. And sheep, when they sit and listen to someone like me teach or someone like Pastor Bruce preach, they don't just hear Chris or Bruce, they hear the Good Shepherd. And they speak. Talked to someone just last week, or two weeks ago, I guess. Yeah, two weeks ago. From our class going upstairs. How you doing? I don't know. I just got worked over by the Word of God. I'm like, glory, hallelujah. Actually, they said me, and I, I redirected them to, well, I hope it wasn't just me. I hope it was the Word of God. That That is good news. You mean you came and God worked on your heart with stuff that He was already working on you from the previous, during the week? How cool is that? That's what it's all about. Are you with me? That's what ought to be happening. Are you established in real fellowship with other believers? Uh, Our grow groups will be starting up in the fall. Have you been a part of a grow group? Are you part of a small group of believers to where you share out of your heart what good things God is doing and how life stinks at the moment? Okay? And then, are you established in outstanding membership, a commitment to submit, serve, and steward what God has given you? Are you established in wholehearted partnership in the ministry? Are you fishing for men and women and children? Are you discipling? we got several people that need to be discipled. We need other... I need other people to help. You know, we need to be discipling people all the time. And yes, we take breaks and, you know, busyness in life. Gwen and I went through all that. We understand. You say, well, you don't understand me because you don't live in... I. Yeah, we all have our, you know, we all understand. Because we're all busy in different ways, right? And so, who are you investing God's Word in? So, here we go. Number four. Christ loves us the way we are. I'm sorry, Christ accepts us. Hope you didn't already write that down. Christ accepts us the way we are, but loves us too much to leave us that way. Christ accepts us. That's why He meets us where we are. That's why He calls us into knowing Him, growing with Him, showing Him, and going with Him. He calls us, but He loves us too much to leave us that way. Now think about this. Each of these different personalities had a convicting encounter that changed them for their good and God's glory. Mary's feelings, which caused her to hug Jesus... And I don't think she fell at his feet and hugged his feet. I think she went for the full body thing. Now, I can't prove that, but that's what I think. And that's what I think she, he meant by stop clinging. You know, you're, I can't breathe. Stop it. I'm the living Lord. But here's the reality. Her feelings were more stable. Her feelings were more stable. Christ led her to submit her feelings to His facts. Look, I haven't ascended. Look, I'm different. My relationship with you is different. Her feelings were more stable. That's what those type of personality types need. Secondly, Cleopas' thoughts, his analysis was more balanced. It was more balanced. Christ led him to submit his reasoning to revelation. I love it. These guys, he let them get it all out because that's the type of personality. Okay, tell me what you think. And they explained it all and they explained it down into a 
pit of despair. And then Jesus said, that's your reasoning. Let's look at Revelation. Let's look at Revelation. Now, that's good counseling. What do you think? Well, here's what I think. Well, let's look at what God says. Let's look at what God says. His thoughts, their thoughts were more balanced. Third, Thomas's attitude was more flexible. He, Christ led him to submit his demands to his deity. Look, Thomas, you're walking around like you're the Lord of the universe. I'm the Lord of the universe. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God, he becomes more flexible. I, I guarantee you Thomas was easier to work with from that point on. Why? Because he was no longer playing God. He knew who God was. Third, Fourth, Peter's will was more humble. Peter was more humble. You don't hear stories of him being the, the, the emotional, impulsive, sticking his foot in his mouth. Now, he was still a sinner and still had sins to confess, but man, from the book of Acts on and into his, his uh, epistles, you read, this guy's a rock now. He really is a rock. He's no longer Simon, son of Jonah. See, the whole point was each of these personalities had to submit what they are. Um, our millennial generation, they're struggling to know their identity. Your teens. It's a lot of talk about identity, but here's the reality. You'll never know who you are until you know who he is. And until you submit your identity to him. Until you say, okay, Lord, I've got all sorts of thoughts and feelings. Thoughts, feelings. I've got some attitude, right? And I've got some beliefs. And I've got some things that I've really clung to that have enabled me to survive. But you know what? I'm going to submit all that to you. I'm going to find my identity to you. See, they each became more like Christ. And when they did, they were more united with Christ's church. You know, it's real popular today to blame everything on the church. And listen, the church isn't perfect, never claimed to be. We only claim to have what? A perfect Savior, right? And churches can grow and churches need to confess corporate sin. There's all sorts of things churches need to do. But at the end of the day, we're worshiping the one. And here's the deal. As long as your identity is outside of Christ, you're never going to really get into God's people. Are you, you know, you're just not going to get church until you have a close encounter with Christ. You're just not going to get church. So I think a lot of times we're trying to invite people to church that never had an encounter with Christ. And that's okay. Invite them to church, but realize it's not coming to church that's going to transform them. It's encountering the Christ that we worship at our church. Amen? And it's encountering Christ in your life as you talk to them about church. And there's not a disconnect between talking about church and how you live and talk during the week. Right? So that's, that's the idea there. Think about it this way. We've got... I think I got time for this. we got sanguine personalities, right? That's sanguine, okay? we got phlegmatic personality types, right? We've got choleric. And God made us all these different ways. And we have uh, all these different personality types that we began. Melancholy. I don't know. 
something like that. Okay? We got all that. But here's, the, here's what you find from these close encounters. Here's what you realize. Is that Christ is Lord in the center of all this. And so Christ goes out and meets us in all our strangeness, in all our uniqueness. But He does so to bring us back to Himself and make us more like Him. So that that's where the focus is. Right? So we go out, we, we, we get to know people, we get to know what makes them tick. We, we need to listen more, we need to ask questions more instead of giving answers. We need to listen more instead of talking so we can know where people are at. And we're all growing in this, none of us are perfect. But as we do that, we meet them where they are, but then we bring them back to who? Who? To, not just God. Who? Christ. Yeah. God in Christ. Amen. God, Christ is God with us in the flesh. Good stuff. So that leads us to the fifth lesson that we learn. And it's this. Close encounters happen before we even know it. Now, this is really cool. Close encounters happen before we even know it. Every one of these individuals had an encounter with Christ before they knew it. Is that just cool? Mary mistook the Lord for a caring gardener. But he was still a stranger. Okay? Cleopas mistook the Lord for a fellow traveler, but a stranger. Thomas mistook the Lord for being an absent master. In other words, I thought I knew this guy. I thought he would come through for us. He's no more than a stranger to me. Peter mistook the Lord for an independent bystander on the shore, another stranger. Here's what I find fascinating. All these individuals knew the Lord, and they knew Him in ways that we wish we did. We wish, don't you, that you had met Jesus person to person? I mean, how cool is that? That's what we look forward to. They had already had that. And yet, spiritually, he was a stranger to them. And I'm telling you, just stop and ask yourself. Is Jesus a stranger to me? Do I go through my week and he's, he's absent, he's out there, he's somewhere? But here's the reality. He is present. He's closer than you realize. He is with you, moms, when you're parent, when you're when you're cleaning and when you're working and, and, and trying to keep the home up. Dads, he's with you in that workplace that is so God forsaken, you're sure he would never show up here. He's with you when you're struggling. I mean, he is there. But are we Are we taking every day and every moment and saying, Lord, where are you in this? You know, since I'm one of the drivers going to camp, I'm praying about that. But one of the things I pray is, Lord, may your angels go before us and give us safety. And so, you know, as typical Christians, we always pray one way. No flat tire, no running out of gas. No tickets, you know, all those things. 
But we need to add another prayer that says, Lord, if in your plan we have a flat tire, and God forbid in your plan, if you allow an accident, Lord, may we look for you when things don't go. Because why? We've already prayed. You know, when the accident, if an accident would happen, your parents are like freaking out. If, a, if an accident would happen, Molly, here's what you got to understand. If we prayed for his angels to be with us, were they still with us? Or did they like check out for the, you know, did Michael say, hey, let's, did we leave the angels back at the gas station? You know, we, you know, kids do get left sometimes. Jeremy might. I won't do that, but Jeremy might. But here's the reality. The angel, see, God allows things. And if we've really prayed and know that we have a living Lord, then, yeah, it's not what we want. We have grief. We have all sorts of frustration, fear, anxiety. But we say, Lord, where are you in this? Amen? That's what's going on here. Why? Because somebody had died and Mary was upset. But Jesus was there. Thomas and everything that, everything that Cleopas and his companion had come to Jerusalem to see and do had failed. And God was there. Jesus was there. The disciples had given three and a half years and were in a locked room. Jesus was there. So are you asking, am I asking, God, Jesus, where are you and I'm not seeing you? Great prayer. God, where are you going to be today? Let me see you at work, because I know you are. Number six, close encounters are always personal, but never meant to be kept private. They're always personal, but never meant to be kept private. Do you realize the only, uh, the only, uh, we, there's two one-on-one encounters, Mary's, and we know all about it. Everybody was told. And Peter's, we don't know much about it, but we do know it happened. Okay? So none of them are kept private. They all go public, and the idea is run and tell as many people as you can. Finally, here's the ultimate lesson we learn. Close encounters are for His glory, our good, and for going with to others with the good news. It's for going to others with the good news. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, very familiar, but I hope you'll see this differently now. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. 28, 18 through 20. Here's the last close encounter, and it's a group one. How fitting is that? It's not an individual. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. In fact, this is what several of the close encounters said. Tell them to go meet me in Galilee. So pick it up in verse 16. But the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful, still struggling still imperfect. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, of all the people groups, these people groups that don't have Scripture, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them 
not to just know the Bible, but observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of this age. Why? Because I am the living Lord. Amen? Listen, we've got a work to do. What is the living proof we're obeying the Lord? We have a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission in order to see a great church reach the loss with the gospel. So you have some application questions there. Parents especially, let me say to you, if you've got teens going to camp, you know, pray for them. Pray for God to do a work in them, but please answer these three questions for your own self. Because here's the thing, camp is a week, and then they come back here. They come back to your home, your environment. They come back to watching you live out your faith day in, day out. They already know you're not perfect. What they're wanting to know is, do you connect with the living Lord? When you, when you sin, do you confess it? When you sin, do you repent of it? When you sin against them, do you ask them for forgiveness? And do you forgive them when they sin against you? So, you know, I'm asking for God to do some great things in these kids' lives, but I'm asking God to do great things in the lives of you as parents. Amen? And it's really not just the parents. Because, listen, don't think for a minute, any of you in this room, don't think for a minute that these kids don't watch all of you. They watch all of you. And when you're missing, you're missed. Right? And, 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 and it, they're watching us. And they need us because we need them. Amen? So I'm, I'm expecting a good thing. I, don't, I, I need some help with Ethan. I don't know what to expect, so help me out. Okay? Ethan and Cameron. Yeah, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't. What's this mean? <laughs> All right. Fill me in after church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and goodness to us. Thank you for these encounters. Uh, Lord, it's good news that we don't have to see you to believe you. We hear of these encounters. We hear of you and we believe. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord, we pray both for parents who are anxious and sending kids kids that may be going for all sorts of reasons and not expecting to encounter you. Lord, we pray for blessings on all counts. We pray for close encounters of the real kind. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.